the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is hope and there is false hope. So when it comes to your death, what kind of hope do you hold out with? Let's talk about that next on Truth For Today. Facing death with hope. That is the challenge, isn't it? And oftentimes we're fed false hope. Well, today, on Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard will take us to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, as we understand what it means to face death with hope, real and lasting hope. Join us, won't you, from Valley Bible Church right here in Hercules. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil and today's broadcast of Truth For Today. As I heard uh, a presentation by Options for Women Tuesday night, talking about the sexual revolution that kids are living through along without the invasion of technology, as the presenter gave this message telling about how young people, through technology, are more in touch with the world than at any time in our history. I mean, they know everything just by the use of a phone. Google it. What's going on in Syria? Beirut? South America? I mean, they they bring the world to their fingertips through technology. Of course, a world of evil is also there at the touch of the right key. But they were sharing how that young people today are the most protected generation ever. And by that, they meant uh, child protection, uh, how we do a a lot. How many of you uh, ever got a bike when you grew up? When I got a bike, that meant anything within 10 miles was mine. Anybody here? Hey, I'd go from San Pablo, go into Richmond, See whatever I wanted. Go to the UA. Go to the Fox. Go to Arts Record Store on Six and McDonald. Come on. If I had a bike, I had wheels. Today, most kids don't get to ride their their bike over a block from home. Our kids was that way. They would beg sometimes, especially our Elizabeth. I'm going to go down the store. Well, that was three blocks. No, no. Who who knows who's liable to jump you by that time? When I was 13, I was hitchhiking on Saturday mornings at 5.30 to the Orinda Country Club where I would caddy. Now, I weighed 110 pounds, and I guarantee you those clubs weighed 80. <laughs> but I leave 5.30. Do you think my mother was there? Let me pray over you. It, she didn't even say, I hope you come back. <laughs> we thought nothing of it. You go, okay, get through caddying about, yeah, maybe 4 o'clock, 3.30. And anybody remember the snake road on the dam road? 
when it was like this, started hitchhiking. 13. Hitchhiked to Vallejo anytime I wanted to. You hitchhiked, rode your bike. Never thought about fear. My sister Ruth and I would walk from where Jack Newell's is, because uh, the projects were that way. We walked to the Uptown Theater, go through the tile factory there on Carlson. Nobody ever going to mess with us. I was in the third grade. She was in the fifth. Would you do that? You would with police escort. See, we, we thought nothing about perceived dangers. Uh, but they say kids today are living with more anxiety, more fear, and more suicides than any other civilized nation. It's the most in our, in our history. At the most prosperous time in America, kids are scared to death. And then you put uh, out today, you might die tonight. Had you thought about it? Oh, you're going to make a wreck out of me. I can't afford to think about things like that. You remember in Luke 12, the man that had time for Barnes, and the Lord said, tonight I require your soul of you. And the guy went zonkers. He said, uh, I'm not prepared to meet God. He said, well, you had time to build Barnes. You're going to meet your maker tonight. Tonight. Now, let me ask you, this is personal, but if tonight you step across the realm of death, What's on the other side? Where would you go? What will be your condition once you cross that? Now, I want to tell you, I went to enough family funerals last year. If you're here very long, how many of you buried your parents? How many of you burying your siblings? And God forbid if you've had to bury a child. You can't escape death. It's appointed to us. The thing we want to consider is here Paul says in chapter 4, I am dying every day. I've had a sentence on me to be killed from the day I got saved. Acts 9, you read the chapter. In that chapter, the Jews plot to kill him, and he's just come to Christ. Paul always expected martyrdom, and he wasn't disappointed. He was believed to be 54 years of age and beheaded by the king he said we ought to submit to. But he writes here in chapter 5 of the biblical view of death and dying and what he felt about that. And uh, I thought three things I want to look at. Hope is longing for a new body. That's part of our hope. Our new resurrected body. Then he goes on, hope makes you aware of how you use your body now. Christians living with hope are using their body in a certain way. And finally, hope knows I will be examined at the end of the race by the Lord Jesus himself. And he doesn't give you a passing grade because you flunked. He doesn't have to automatically pass you to the next grade like we do. We just pass the kid because he's too big to be in the third grade. It's not that way with Jesus. He's going to truly examine your life and he's going to reward or let you suffer loss accordingly. So, 
let us consider all the views. Let me, I want to give you 10 just brief views that of what your religious group would tell you will happen the moment you die. What do they say? Let me give you some of these views. First of all, the Greeks of Paul's day, they had a philosophy. Listen to this. The despair of the Roman world is brought to us by the gloomy inscriptions on their monuments. The contrast of the monuments of the heathen above ground on the Appian Way with their dreary wail of despair to the exultant notes of the ill-written, ill-spelled inscriptions of the catacombs where the Christians who were not allowed to be buried above ground and they went into subterranean caves in the uh, uh, heart of uh, Rome. And if you go in there, you see a sleeping Jesus uh, shepherded by Jesus. You'd see him like on sailboats sailing to the other world. You go upstairs, and this is what the philosopher said. Aeschylus, of a man once dead, there is no resurrection. Theocritus said, hopes are among the living. The dead are without hope. Lacretus said, no one awakes and arises who has once been overtaken by the chilling end of death. Catalus said, suns may set and rise again, but we, when once our brief light goes down, must sleep an endless night. No hope in Greek philosophy. They said, you died, you ceased to exist, The most that may last would be the soul, but they did not even believe in the immortality of the soul. They said, it's over. You cease at death. Sadducees, they said there is no resurrection. And many Jews today say there's nothing after death. It's over. Liberal theology uh, in the United States moved to the place. They gave up the resurrection of the body, and they moved to something, and you'll see it in poetry, and you'll hear They talk about the immortality of the soul. Other words, the immaterial of you never dies. You'll be alive somewhere, somehow, but you'll never see your body again. There is no physical resurrection. Hinduism came out of India, 800, 1000 B.C. And uh, they taught the transmigration of the soul. That once you die, you begin to wander through space and time until finally you come back in another body. And out of their theology was the teaching of karma which is really a cause and effect theology that says you better be a good person while you're alive because it's going to determine how you come back. Let's say if you mean to mom and dad, you're coming back like a monkey, coming back like a donkey, coming back as a rat. You don't know how you're going to come back because you see you were something before you showed up. Because you never die. Souls are transmigrating. Transmigrating. Karma. Karma. You better watch out. 
Are you going to be better off in the next life, in the next body, or worse? What will you come back as? Hindus and Buddhists buy this concept of death. Jehovah's Witnesses. They say you're annihilated. There is no hell. And uh, the soul is not immortal. There are groups, even among evangelicals, that teach when you die, you just sleep. Your soul, spirit sleeps so that you are unconscious in the presence of Jesus until he resurrects you. And you figure there's some saints that have been dead for 2,000 years. And they're not attending church. They're in the grave. There's others in the pew. But just think, I've been dead for 2,000 years, and I've been unconscious of anything to the place I've gone to. It's called soul sleep. What has happened, they see these verses where it says, asleep in Jesus. They took that to the soul and it's talking about the body sleeps. Romans 4, or rather Revelation 14. They rest from all their labors. They don't become unconscious. When Jesus pictured the rich man in hell and Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, they were conscious. They remembered their five brothers. They knew the difference between cool water and burning flames. Plenty conscious. Conscious all. Revelation 6, when the martyrs are praying at the altar, they say, oh God, how long will it be before you avenge our uh, people that killed us? How long will it take you before you judge them? This is a prayer meeting going on in heaven in Revelation 6. These are glorified saints. They said, we, I, we want you to judge those men that are killing us. They were conscious. And Paul said, I want to be absent from the body and present with the Lord so that I may sleep. No, I, I'll, I'll know my surroundings. I never, I think when my brother was uh, on this ventilator and everything and laid there for 10 days and we all kept hoping he'll come back, he'll come back. Doctors eventually thought he might have been brain dead that the moment he had the blood clot and the surgery. They think, well, maybe he just was brain dead. We saw her sister that way, had an aneurysm, just, just uh, died in her chair. Where did they go? Where did they go? Reincarnation? Soul sleep? Where, where did they go? No resurrection in store because that won't happen. Let's keep going. Annihilation, very common. Even men like John Stott say that the wicked dead are annihilated, and this is their theology. How can you pay for eternity for a mortal sin? If you did one sin, surely the payment cannot be eternal. Jonathan Edwards' answer is, sin against an eternal being brings an eternal consequence. Limbo. What is limbo? You're a Roman Catholic. And uh, you didn't get, get around to baptizing your child. 
Or maybe you just got saved and you lost a baby in a miscarriage or a child died some way. Roman Catholic theology says this. At first they made limbo a hell, but there's such an outrage by parents that they came up with limbo. And limbo is a place that is said to be on the edge of hell. Not quite a burning hell, but it is a place of torment. And unbaptized babies go there. That's why a good Roman Catholic family will get that baby baptized like now. Because they believe, according to Augustine in the 4th century, that original sin that you're born with is atoned for once you're baptized. So you cannot be lost for being a sinner. But if you're unbaptized, you must pay for your sins. And then Rome taught this. Baptism saves you up to that time. You got to hear this. Lorraine Botner, Roman Catholicism, read their sources. I'm not making this up. If you want the sources, you can see me after the service. I'll give you a bibliography. That baptism fount covered you for being born in Adam, original sin. But after your baptism in time, you can commit one of two kinds of sin. Venial, mortal. Venial, the word means forgivable. You can commit a forgivable sin. But if you commit a mortal sin, adultery, murder, idolatry, there is no forgiveness for these. You are going to hell and we can't get them eradicated. So you better get your baby baptized or else they'll go to a place of torment. Then purgatory, where in the world did that come from? Purgatory comes from the word to purge. And Roman Catholic theology says, takes the passage like 1 Corinthians 5, that the sinning brother, that God should judge him and he shall be saved as by fire. 1 Corinthians 5. They say... That when you die, even if you're in good standing as a Roman Catholic, and you only have venial sins on your soul, you haven't done anything outrageous, murder and these grosser sins, but you're in good standing, you've been attending the church, you got the last sacraments, you went through all the steps, you've been baptized, that you must go to a burning hell until... Because no one dies perfect. So then you must go to a hell to purge and burn out and pay for the sins you have committed. Because the cross does not pay for that. Only the church can. And so purgatory is even for a good Roman Catholic in good standing, gone to confession, given their money, uh, had last rites, had unction, was married in the church. We know you're nice, but you're not fit for heaven yet. So you must go to purgatory. Next question. How long? How long? Nobody knows, but the priest that tells you, he can put a hundred years on it, a thousand years. 
500 years. Think of that Roman Catholic that loves that church with all their heart. And when it's time to die and the priest comes and prays over them at the hospital bed and say, good night, my brother. See you in purgatory. (laughs) Not in heaven. You cannot go direct to heaven. Now think if you face death that way. And then in 1517, Luther, what made him nail the 95 theses is people in Luther's congregation were paying money to bring relief to their family members. Because it used to be you could only pay for the living to get time off in purgatory. But with Tetzel, who came from Rome to Germany, he said, you can pay off time for your mother and your father. You can knock off a hundred years if you'll give an offering to rebuild St. Peter's Basilica. Luther went berserk. How dare you think you could change the time a person stays in a burning, purging fire? Who came up with this stuff? Where did this come from? Why I want to evangelize every Roman Catholic and give them hope. You don't face limbo. You don't face purgatory. If you take Christ, your next step is heaven. Sometimes we try to be so nice to every view we differ with that it sounds pitiful. Call it what it is. It's abominable. Abominable. The evangelical Bible view is when you die, you go to heaven or hell. Heaven or hell, and there's no stops on the way on the elevator. Well, I like to step off from purgatory a little bit. Purge. No, no, you go to heaven or hell. Immediately, there's no second chance. There's no altar calls in eternity afterwards. There's no second chances. If you're here without Christ, you've only got one chance. As far as you're concerned, this may be the last. Because death is imminent to every one of us. We're all dying. That's why when you get old enough, you don't use mirrors anymore. You're dying, honey. You're dying. Carolyn says, you got my graduation picture in your office. I hate you having that. That that shows you how I used to. Honey, I want to remember. Now, what's Paul facing? What's his hope when he's going to die? Look what he says. I have a building in the heavens once I move out of this earthly tent. The storms of life have rented, tore it, but I'm moving into permanent headquarters. An eternal house in heaven, not in purgatory, not in the in-between world, and built not by human hands. Meanwhile, we are groaning. And some of you are better at it than others. McGee said his wife used to say to him, said, you groan all the time. He said, it's biblical. <laughs> we groan in this body. We, we get tired. We get aches, pains. But besides the groaning, We're longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 
the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then, as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us, as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.